Welcome to the Experts Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of what it really means to be in the media. Featuring interviews with media stable experts and some of Australia's prominent media. We'll break down some of the myths, the fears, the skills and the knowledge needed to succeed in the media. The Experts Podcast is for the business owner, communicator, PR professional, leader of industry or anyone looking to develop their profile to be a recognised expert. The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Experts Podcast. Nick Hayes with you. No Carmen Braidwood, where could she be? Has there been some conflict amongst Carmen and I? I can assure you not, but uh, that might just tap into the conversation that we're going to have is with a conflict expert. Uh, She's a negotiation advisor. She's a mediator and does pretty well in the media. Nicole Davidson, welcome to the Experts Podcast. Thank you very much, Nick Hayes. Wonderful to have you. I I love good negotiation. I love a negotiation, whether it be for business, uh, in life, uh, right across the board. I mean, we are negotiating all the time, us human beings. What made you get into to being one that uh, is about around that conflict, around the negotiation aspect side? Yeah, well, it certainly wasn't something I planned on. Um, I had a a rather interesting journey through the early part of my career, trying out lots of things and never quite feeling like I was being able to make enough of a difference to people. So I was a lawyer, I was an investment banker, I worked in corporate insolvency, I even dabbled in recruitment for a little while. Um, But after a little while, I then moved into the people development space and I was lucky enough to fall into a role with a training consultancy specialising in negotiation and conflict resolution. I was able to deep dive into the theory of all of that and just absolutely loved it. Um, And I was teaching people how to do this. But after about three years, I decided that teaching people wasn't enough for me. I needed to be actually putting this stuff in practice myself um, beyond my little day-to-day negotiations so that I could be a better teacher, but also have the variety of, of helping people in a really different way. So about seven years ago, I set up my business um, where I offered Uh, negotiation and conflict resolution training plus mediation services and negotiation advice. It's one of those industries and businesses and I think that it must be amazing when you go to a uh, sitting around a dinner table or meeting around uh, 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 in 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 a casual scenario when you tell people what you do. Is it because what you do you're a good human connector relationship conversationist or is it, are you using other skills there to, to actually work on? Because some of these issues that I dare say you're dealing with can get very complicated, et cetera. But is it just come down to the very human side of what we do and who we are and what, what, why we are in conflict or why we need to negotiate? I think it's the, it's the combination of both. I think if you think about a lot of lawyers who might be managing conflict or helping their clients with conflict, For them, they are almost taking the human element out of it. Like the number of times I hear people going, let's just cut the emotion out. So I think you've got to be able to get that empathy and and have that human understanding. But if you only had that without the understanding of the commercial aspects, you'd really struggle to do the job. So I think it takes both of those sides to do it well. 
I think it, it's it's it is interesting. I, I think that um, uh, as a negotiator, your, your ability to find common ground to to find that solution, because let's face it, it, the whole world, if we could just get past some of this, we would be in a great place. Uh, there doesn't seem to be negotiation done particularly well on a global scale. Totally, totally. And and look, I think the interesting thing is I think that there's three key skills to make you a good, good negotiator. And I think this is where people fall down is skill number one is being curious. I think it's so easy to go into these negotiations where you absolutely know what the picture is like, you know what you want and you're focusing purely on that. Whereas going in, being curious about where's the other person coming from? What are their assumptions? What do they know? What's important to them? Um, what do I not know about this scenario is going to be a much better starting point. And so, you know, that's the starting point is a mindset of curiosity and then having the really good skills of being able to ask the right questions that help people to think themselves but also get you the information you need. And then if you're going to ask great questions, you absolutely need to have amazing listening skills to actually hear what comes back as an answer. Oh, boy, we, we all need these skills. We all need these in, in life and also, too, at home, I would imagine. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it does take a lot because the, the ability to, to listen, I, I think a lot of people do a lot of talking but not a lot of listening. So right. And, you know, I think still one of, one of the pieces of feedback that I have had that has had the biggest impact on me in the 10 years that I've been teaching negotiation was someone I bumped into six months or so after they'd done a course with me and they said, I'm so glad I did your course. It saved my marriage. Wow. Um, but I think that idea about, you know, we listen, you know, and this comes back to anyone who's read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People with, by Stephen Covey. You know, he talks about we need to listen to understand, not listen to respond. And so, so many of us, while we're listening to somebody, are already busy thinking about what does that mean? How do I respond to that? What am I going to say next? Um, why are they wrong? Um, if we can actually pause that in a voice, then we actually become much better at listening and then we take a break in the conversation to have that sort of reflection and, and thinking piece. But it's hard to do. Not, yeah, such wise words. And it is hard to do. It, it really is. I think... Uh, some of our politicians could learn a little bit and uh, <laughs> listen a little more and talk a little less. Hey, um, I'm about to offend an entire workforce out there, Nicole, the, the legal fraternity. I'm wondering how much do they find your services and what you do uh, as a, a bit of a, a competitor, almost a, a conflict for them? Because I would imagine for many lawyers, they do like to see a good conflict. They like to argue a bit. But uh, as a negotiator, are you taking away some of their uh, their work? Are you taking away a, a, a piece of the pie that they could be uh, diving into? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think there's, there's a couple of aspects to that because you're absolutely right. And I think I'm going to start with the sort of more innocent one, if you like, is that if you're a lawyer who does litigation, you've probably got into that because you love the cut and the thrust of the intellectual argument. You love the thrill and the drama of being in the courtroom. If you're going to resolve your client's um, conflicts in negotiation or mediation, then you actually don't get the part of the job that you really enjoy the most and that you got into the job for. So that's the kind of nicer um, aspect of why some lawyers might have a problem with this. 
The other one is, of course, the minute the, the matter settles, so do, so do the fees stop. Um, so, you know, and I, I have a colleague of mine who's also a mediator who talks about in her early legal career coming back very excitedly from a negotiation, from a mediation and saying to her partner, it's settled. We're so excited. We settled it. And he goes, what do you mean? That was in our budget for the next six months, that case. Now, yeah. <laughs> there are some lawyers like that, but there are a lot who actually are keen to get commercial outcomes for their clients on the basis that a client that gets a good outcome is going to be a great referrer of future work. So, yes, there's a bit of tension and conflict, um, but it's also we can work together really well. Well, that's, that's that working together really well, because obviously at the end of the day, the lawyers, they do want an outcome for their clients and they want a successful one. And I think, you know, we all, uh, when we engage a lawyer, are hoping to get the right uh, legal advice, the right result at the end of the day, whether, you know, innocent, guilty, whatever it might be, that's the courts to judge. But, you know, if we can avoid the courts and negotiate or at least get an outcome before all of that, that's got to be better for everyone. Yeah, look, I, I totally agree. It's, it's, it's a nicer experience for someone to go through as well. And if you're talking about litigation, you're actually handing over complete control of your problem to this unknown third person who's sitting up on a, you know, almost on a dais, um, who doesn't know you, doesn't know the other party, has to make a decision between two different conflicting, you know, stories. And I say it's a bit like, you know, if I come home and in my kitchen there's a broken plate and I look at my two kids and I go, which one of you broke the plate? And one of them goes, they did. And the other one goes, they did. And I have to decide who to punish. I just have to go on my best gut instinct as to who I think is telling the truth. And I think a lot of the time that's what judges have to do too. Yeah, so, it's, always the young, it's always the youngest that breaks the plate though. <laughs> exactly. I, I think that's, the, I think that's the, the challenge there, isn't it? Because I think, you know, when you have, and it might be hearsay, et cetera, but negotiation, I think, Sometimes the emotion that's caught up in all of the conflict or or the issue or the problem sort of overrides even the, I guess, the, the sensible thing to do. Yeah. Is that the goal there for you as a negotiator to, to come in and say, look, let's let's be a little bit sensible about this. Let's let's take it, let's 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 find a solution that we're all going to win from if you can find a winning solution. Yeah, that's absolutely it. But it's, it's not about ignoring the emotion. It's about recognising and dealing with the emotion because, um, you know, the lawyers will often go, oh, let's just take the emotion out of it. But we are emotional creatures. Yeah. And what I want is to actually help the person to recognise what the emotion is that's going on, but then understand how that ties into the rational decisions. And I want them to have that feeling that they are part of solving this problem. So, you know, there will be people who go through court and somebody makes a decision for them that they don't like. They're stewing on that for the next 30 years. You know, you talk to someone and they're still bitter and twisted and angry about something that happened 30 years ago. So the process that I would want to use with people is really going, let's understand the emotion. Let's see how that emotion plays, what difference it makes in the outcome so that they can get to an outcome. And even though they don't like it, they can live with it and they can understand yep. it and they can put that dispute in the past and move on. Uh, look, great advice, Anne. And that's, and that's the, the right pathway to take. I think, 
that too many people and and it's it's taxing on people as well the the the, the mm. ill feelings the the regret the, the the fact that they feel that they haven't got the result that they're after it's it's time to move on people move on move on <laughs> now one of the great things that I saw when you first sort of put your hand up to to work with the media was a a Channel Nine piece that you did that I think couldn't have been a better ad for negotiators mm. for yourself as a business. Um, how did that feel for you? Because uh, normally for someone who's coming in to to do media, it's sort of do a little bit of writing first, a couple of community radio stations. But Channel Nine News, how did that play out? Look, do you know what? It was so exciting, and and I had done a bit of writing before that. Um, through my own channels, but I think it was really great because, you know, I guess when that first opportunity came through, the first response was, oh, my God, how, how on earth am I going to do this? I've never done TV before. Holy crap. Um, but what was great was that I was able to contact you and I was able to contact Susie and get some advice um, and get some sort of tips on how to manage that. And possibly because it was recorded on Zoom rather than um, done in studio, it was perhaps a little more comfortable anyway. Um, but it, it was really good because the tips were very much, you know, understanding that it's, you know, when you get that media piece on TV, it's going to be short and sharp. And so yeah. being really careful to think about well, what is my message? What are the core points? How do I keep this interesting? Who's the audience? How do I make sure that this is relevant to the audience. So that was nine news. You know, it's a pretty diverse audience. So you want to really just think about how do I just get a message out that's clear um, and understandable. And you know, it it happens so quickly. It was like yeah. one minute I'm preparing to get the interview, and the next, like, oh, it's done. <laughs> yeah, and I, I suppose since COVID, that a lot of your work and and negotiation would have been taking over, or would have been done over Zoom, or oh. done in a place where you're not necessarily having to be in front of people. And I think you sort of um, just outlined a few things around the audience, etc. Of nine, you've you've almost negotiated your way through the the piece in that you sort of understand and know what the outcomes and who you need to address and what you need to do. So. I suppose as a negotiator, you, you you were already prepared and ready to to engage media. Yeah, look, I think that's right because, you know, negotiation is all about understanding the other party's interests. What do they need so that you can deliver something that will work for them? And I guess the media is the same like that, isn't it? You know, when you, when you think about it, what's media doing? It's trying to influence people. It's trying to persuade them. And that's exactly what we're doing in a negotiation as well. You've had quite a lot of uh, experience. I've, I've read through your profile that you've done and, and a lot of also to writing uh, there. Which which is the media that you enjoy? Which is the media that sort of, you know, doesn't uh, freak you out or uh, you can do with your eyes closed? <laughs> That's a great question. Look, to be honest, um, I don't mind writing, but writing, you know, and, and it comes back to what I teach people, writing is much harder to get your message across clearly than when you're speaking to someone. So I love nothing better to, than to have a chat about what I do and some of the problems that I see in the legal system because having that engaging conversation, I think, really brings things to life a lot more than just words on a page. So the words on the page are great because they stay there. People can search them and find them. Whereas, you know, when, when you're doing, you know, I've done a couple of um, uh, radio interviews as well now, they're sort of on and they're gone. 
Um, yeah. Whereas the beauty of the written word is it's there, you can send it to people and share it as you can a recording of an interview. But there's something um, about that conversational style of interview that I think works really, really well. Do you find that when you are working with media that it, it is, in a sense, a big negotiation anyway, um, in that you are talking to the, the journalist, you're talking to a producer, a presenter, and working through, I guess, the, the storytelling aspects, the key messages that are there, is that, is that something you use your current skill sets into to delivering your media engagement? Yeah, look, I think there is an element of that, but I have to say in a lot of the experiences that I've had, because, you know, a number of these opportunities are coming to me through the media board um, and media stable. So the content is already kind of there because they've picked up on a proposal that's been put forward about here's a really interesting topic. And I have to say that, you know, at times you kind of go in not really knowing where they want because the, the contact that I've had for a number of these has been pretty brief. You know, you've got yeah. producers on the other end who are really busy. So they literally call up and go, are you available? We want to talk about this piece. Great. See you later. Um, so I, I find there's not a lot of space for the negotiation piece in there. Well, it's, it's, it is it's it, it is fast paced. And I suppose there that, that sort of is, I guess, the challenge for all experts out there that are listening in today is that, you know, you, you don't have a lot of time. And that mm. idea to even uh, think about or think strategically heavily about what how you're going to deliver, you just don't necessarily have that. And I guess that's the challenge there for everyone, isn't it, is that, you know, you kind of got to trust your own gut and trust your own expertise and knowledge that you know the answers. You've just got to deliver it a little bit more, not necessarily planned, but a little bit more ad hoc. I think that's right. And I think for me, you know, the idea is, you know, obviously I put a proposal in terms of my media board story and here's what I think is important and relevant. Once I then get an approach, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm probably going and doing a bit of research. Who is the person that I'm going to be talking to? What is the show that they're on? So I did one the other day with Curtin FM Radio. So I went and I had a look at, you know, other people that they've had speaking on that show. I've listened to a few snippets. I've done a bit of research around you know, what is that station? Who's the audience? So I guess I'm not negotiating so much as making some assumptions and hoping that they're quite right. Um, but there's also yeah. that flexibility in the interview. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've developed over time, because I do a lot of presenting, and I much prefer to present kind of off the cuff rather than um, presenting a script, is that I will just change where I'm headed depending on the question that I get asked. It's a really good place to be. And I think that also, I think we see a lot of experts that come through the system that are a little too nervous around going off script, not trusting their own abilities to handle the question as it comes in and take it on because they, they, they kind of are thinking a little bit too far ahead of themselves into what if I mess up? What if I don't say the right thing? What if I raise the wrong statistic? And I think more of us need to be doing that off the cuff because yeah. I'm I'm absolutely confident and, and, and very clear with most people that we ever deal with is that they are their experts in their space. If they just trust their ability to respond, they will get there. Yeah, and I think it's that ability to actually listen and, and engage again because I think the problem of having a script, and, and this is the same, I tell people this going into a negotiation, if you have planned exactly what you're going to say, then you're probably not actually going to listen to what comes back and you're just going to keep going with your script that's actually now 
heading in the wrong direction. So the more that, yeah, I think it is that confidence that you need to have going, you know, I know my stuff and I'm just going to apply it to whatever question that they ask me. I, I love that. I love that, Nicole, because if you do go in with that script, you're not negotiating, you're telling. Yeah. And that's not the outcome. That's not even what audiences at the other end want to, to hear. They want to hear good conversation. They want to hear an outcome. And if two heads are butting and they're both going off the same script, I dare say that makes it very difficult for you to, uh, to find a common ground, to find a solution. Yeah, and look, I think the other thing, as you're talking about that, I think the other thing that springs to mind is that, you know, as an expert, I think it comes back to why are you doing media in the first place? Now, you're doing media to raise your profile, and ultimately, why are you raising your profile? You're raising your profile to bring in more business. Yeah. And I think there is potentially a risk that you focus too much on doing the sell in your interview by saying the things that you want to get across because you want people to know this because you want them to come and buy you as opposed yeah. to focusing on delivering value in the interview and I think for me you know being really clear about I'm just I yes I want people to come but they'll come to me because they think I know my stuff and I've demonstrated that really well not because I've told them how good I am and and that they should come to me. Oh, I love that. That is the goal. That is absolute goal because, again, as you said, you know, you're engaging in the media, you're giving value back to a listener, a reader, a viewer, and what you're really doing is uh, is better than a, a, a manufactured four-page four glossy pamphlet on why they should be choosing you. They're getting to know you. They're getting to understand you. Nicole... I'm kind of keen to sort of switch it up a little bit here and, and just get a bit of a feel. What, what was the first time like in media? What did you feel? Was it something there that came naturally to you? Yeah, look, and, and that's a really good question as well. So I guess the first thing, the first experience I had with media was writing. And the, you know, I think it was kind of scary putting something out there into the world going, are people going to want to read this? Um, and, you know, even really thinking about the first things that I did were actually not even big media. They were putting it out on my own blog. Um, you know, and at the time I started, there was probably a whole, you know, five readers or something, including my mum. But, but there is that sense of, you know, putting something out in the world and opening yourself up to criticism can be quite scary. Um, I've become less concerned about that now because I think the other thing I've come to realise is I don't like everything I read. That doesn't mean that I don't, you know, trust someone's judgment because I don't agree with them. It just means we have different opinions. And yeah. so I'm, I'm much more open to, to not worrying. I think that was the problem at the beginning. I was so worried about whether I was going to offend somebody or whether it would upset somebody that you were kind of constantly questioning and rewriting. And now I am much more able to just write a piece and go, yeah, this is what I feel. This is what I believe. Um, and I don't spend so much time, you know, second-guessing myself. I think with the, the radio and the TV pieces that I've done, you know, I think the beauty of that is I just go into it going, I'm going to have a nice conversation with someone. And, you know, I, I think that I'm confident enough in my area of expertise that I'm very comfortable to just go, I will know what I want to say. And if I don't have the answer to a question, I'm also comfortable to go, yeah, you know what, I've never thought about that. Don't really know um and, yeah. and that's part of it as well it's it's not 
having to be the expert, it's sharing the expertise you do have. Yeah, love that. I love that. And it's such great advice for everyone to to take on board as to, you know, put your hand up, get yourself out there, take on the challenges, but also to, if you don't know the answers, you know what, it's perfectly fine. You can get yourself, uh, you can get yourself back for another interview. If, uh, look, I'll come back to you. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let you know. Um, Nicole, one of the things I suppose that lawyers and anyone in the legal space, and as a as a lawyer, former lawyer yourself, and and also carrying those legal skills in there, there is an element of fear, and you, you raised it that it could have been something in the early days that you were a bit mindful around what others are thinking. But the legal fraternity seems to be very conservative. They're not mm-hmm. the ones that naturally put their hands up to say, "Hey, um, I've got a position on this." Was that a concern, a challenge for you? Uh, I don't think so, particularly. And look, there might be there might be some lawyers out there who go, "Oh my God, who is she putting herself out there in the media?" Um, but there's enough lawyers that if there's a few that have that opinion, it doesn't worry me. Um, and you know, I think a large part of what I'm doing, you know, I I focus not just on the work that I do with lawyers, but I'm actually really keen to educate people about the fact that getting a dispute resolution process that's not litigation happening earlier is going to be deliver much better outcomes to you. So there are some lawyers who will hate that message to start with, but yeah. a large part of what I do is is actually more broad about educating people about these alternatives to litigation rather than directly to get services for myself. Um, yeah. You know, I hope that my message that I'm sending out to the market about dispute resolution actually is a benefit to all the mediators out there, um, because I really genuinely think that we have a legal system that does not, it's its really not fit for purpose when you're talking about non-criminal matters. And, and that's a big part of what drives me actually stepping up into that. So. I think when you when you're really passionate about something like that, it makes it easy to step up and and put yourself out there in the spotlight a little bit. When you say not fit for purpose, are you are you mm. suggesting that we haven't kept up with the times that the people or the, the the court system itself isn't allowing for the disputes that are currently happening? Well, it's it's not a, it's it's bigger than that, Nick. Um, you know, fundamentally, we have a legal system that is an adversarial system. You've got two parties and the system is designed to make them fight against each other. You have a winner and a loser. And it assumes that there is a right and a wrong in every scenario, yeah. which, you know, the world just isn't black and white. It's, it's shades of grey. So, you know, my assumption is if you sent a whole bunch of the world's greatest process consultants out there and said the problem you need to solve is that businesses or people get into arguments with, it, with each other, and they have these conflicts and we need to find a system for helping them to resolve those. I'm pretty sure that they would not come up with a process that the first thing that happens is that they get into an adversarial fight. So I yeah. have a whole process that I think would be better, which is more having a central person in the middle that guides the parties through their conflict, helps them get independent opinions and, and helps them sort of keep ownership of that dispute to work out a resolution for themselves. So I think, you know, it's a massive systemic problem that we're using something that works for criminal justice, but probably doesn't work so well for civil justice. Can you, can you see changes in the future, though? I mean, you, you've <laughs> just highlighted, obviously, big things here, but we've, we've, the, 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 
I guess the legal system's always sat within that traditional uh, pathways that, yeah. uh, and, and no one likes change. But can you see there, ch there could be change in the future? I think any change will end up being quite incremental because, um, yeah, the lawyers are very resistant. I mean, to change an entire legal system is a massive thing to do to start with. And even small changes, you know, one of my beliefs is in our current system, we should at least have mandatory mediation before you can actually put your proceedings into trial. So, and, sorry, not, not before you go to trial, but before you even issue in the court. So it's a bit like yeah. in, a, in a number of family law matters, you cannot go to court until you've got a certificate saying that you've tried to mediate and it failed. And I actually think that should apply to every civil matter. You know, unless there's a good reason why mediation shouldn't happen, you should have to try and sort it out for yourselves. And, and I think part of that comes down to the cost of managing the legal system um, and the taxpayer dollars that go into that could be managed yeah. better. It's it's a, it's a, a, an interesting concept and I think one that could, if it did, you would think it would save money, it would save heartache, it could save the system so that they could actually concentrate on the real issues that are going on and mm. some of these petty issues could be put aside. Uh, Nicole, we're running out of time, but I, I would love to ask you, when you do go into any form of negotiation, when you do meet uh, around the table, are you in the mind sake thinking, oh, this is pretty petty? Are you, do you take your emotion, do you take your personal feelings out of it? Um, I, I would say that would be really hard. Look, there are definitely cases that I've mediated where the amount, and you know, often these are in government-subsidised government mediations. I have had a couple of mediations where the amount that the parties were arguing over was actually less than I was getting paid to run the mediation. Um, and so, yes, I find it frustrating. Yes, I think it's inefficient. Um, and at the same time, I get that this is highly important to those people. And although yeah. I might sit there and go, this is a small amount of money, to them it could be making a really big impact. So, yes, there are definitely times where I go, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. But I also bring a lot of respect for the fact that these people are acting in pressure and stress and anxiety um, and they don't realise how silly it is generally. Yeah, I, Nicole, I, I completely appreciate that. And I think, you know, uh, in your position and in your role, I mean, every matter is, it's very subjective. It's the, It might be the smallest of things to some people, might be the biggest things to others. But I yes. guess at the end of the day, we want to come up with a solution. And I think, you know, coming up with a solution, the quickest way, the most affordable way, and the one that just, you know, sort of doesn't drag or pushes on the resources of taxpayer-funded court systems, which uh, I dare say overloaded and still probably, as you said, a little bit ineffective for the current system, the way it goes about. Any wonder media likes to talk to you, Nicole Davidson? Well, I'm always happy to talk about this. It is absolutely a topic that I love to discuss. Wonderful work. Nicole, if people want to get in contact with you, how do they do that? Best way is through my website, www.nicoledavidsonnegotiation.com.au. Wonderful. Dot, yeah, dot com dot you can they'll find you nicole they'll just look look you up look you up on linkedin look you up on the google machine it'll Definitely get you LinkedIn there as but, well. uh, yeah very good negotiation and uh, and if you've got any negotiation issues or problems touch base with nicole 
um, she'll be pleased to take your call. Uh, that's another good one. We've enjoyed that one. And I think, um, you know, we've all got to negotiate our way through everything that we're doing. And, uh, and if you can find a good negotiator, hang on to them. They're good value. I'm going to be negotiating my way through to getting Carmen back because I think she's going to be a little upset with me for going solo on this one. But uh, I might need your help, Nicole. Thanks for joining us on the Experts Podcast. And thank you for listening. Thanks for coming along and uh, enjoying the ride. We're going to speak to another expert and another media next week. Look forward to having your company then. You've been listening to the Experts Podcast, powered by Media Stable. If you'd like to get in contact with the team, head to mediastable.com.au.